everybody. Welcome to the Lifetime Training Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Stella, and I have Mr. Al Cavadlo with us today. And we are going to bring you what you all need right now. Uh, everybody's locked up. People have a hard time finding equipment and all that stuff. Well, Al is the king of body weight and calisthenics. He's written so many different books we're going to talk about and education courses, YouTube videos. We'll put the links in there, but I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the show, Al. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. It's my pleasure. It's awesome. nice to talk to you too. Man, some crazy stuff that I see you do out in those parks, man. It's fantastic, man. I, hey, hey, I wish hey, we yeah. could bring that in right now. <laughs> so, you know, I want to jump right in and give the listeners the opportunity to understand, you know, how, you know, what got you started in, in you know, really focusing in on, you know, body weight and catasthetics. And I know you differentiate those two. So, you know, what got you started and how do you differentiate those two? I started like a lot of young men as a teenager, I was a skinny, insecure, you know, guy who wanted to put on some muscle mass and I didn't have any access to any equipment. Yeah. So I started doing push-ups. And then I asked for a doorway pull-up bar for my 13th birthday <laughs> and I started doing some chin-ups. Nice. And so I really started out with body weight without even necessarily meaning to or intending to. And then of course yeah. I got into weight training in high school, you know, I was able to take that for a gym class. And I started to learn a little bit about, you know, some of the machines at the gym and barbells and curls and bench presses. I don't think I actually started doing legs yet until I got <laughs> As to most college. do, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I got into barbell squats and uh, you and I were talking about kettlebells before. I've done a little bit of kettlebell work also and became a, a personal trainer. And in the beginning of my fitness training career, I was not necessarily a calisthenics trainer. I mean, I did a lot of different things with clients. We would do some pull-ups. We'd do some push-ups. Maybe we'd work on dips or leg raises or whatever it might be. But we might also incorporate a barbell squat or a curl or a, a lat pull-down or a tricep rope or any of the other gym yeah. stuff you see around. And then it was sort of a gradual process, little by little. The first time that I saw a one-legged pistol squat, was probably the first within my first year of being a trainer. Mm. And I was very intrigued by that because I thought it looked cool. And yeah. I did what I sometimes refer to as calisthenics mathematics. And I thought, well, if I pick up one leg, it's the same as doing like my body weight on a barbell on my back on two legs, yeah. which is something I can do without any problem. Yeah. So you're laughing because you already know that that equation did not work out <laughs> like I thought it would. And, you know, I, I fell on my butt and it was kind of an embarrassing failure, but I was intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, uh, you know, learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. So little, little by little, I started making that a bigger part of my leg workouts. And then it wasn't that long after that, I saw somebody do a muscle up, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, it's yeah. like a pull up where you go all the way up and over the bar until the bar's below your waist. So I did a similar sort of thing in my mind. I said, well, I could do a lot of pull-ups. I can do dips. This just looks like it's a pull-up and then a dip. Yeah. And of course, I, I underestimated that I was wrong again. I got humbled and wanted to learn it. So I put in a lot of work and eventually got it. And it was just this gradual process that kept happening yeah. with different exercises I would encounter. The human flag is one that a lot of people know me for. But that was something that I sucked at for a long time in the beginning. And what wound up happening is as I was bringing more body weight stuff into my training, I kind of had to push other things out to make room because there's only so much working out your body can handle. So that was sort of my, my, my full circle coming back 
to calisthenics, but it was, it was a very natural thing. Sometimes people think like, oh, this guy woke up one day and said, ah, I know I'm going to be a body weight guy. That'll be my angle. But it was, it was never something I planned. Got it. Got it. So, you know, you mentioned body weight and calisthenics and, you know, we had a short conversation that you do differentiate those two. Would you mind diving into that? Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to preface this by saying I don't necessarily split hairs over trivial distinctions. And yeah. if people use those terms interchangeably, I have no problem with that. Yeah. But to, to me, calisthenics has a little bit more of a showmanship aspect to it. Whereas when I think of body weight training, I'm thinking more of just the pure strength training stuff, the pull-ups, the push-ups, the squats, the dips, the leg raises. And when I think of calisthenics, that I'm thinking more of a handstand, a human flag, something that also has a big, um, can we say, skill component yeah. to it. Well, and, and you know, you, you, you'd said that, and, and I think so many people, and, and it's just it's amazing whether it's kids or, you know, or even adults is they put this expectation on themselves to be good at something when they've never actually even practiced it once. And, and it's so frustrating because, you know, and, and when we're talking about skills, you know, skills take time and practice and failure. And, and I think, you know, mentally it, it helps people overcome the failure when you, when you constantly know that you have to continue on. So, you know, Let's talk about how the the calisthenic aspect and in and, and even you know the body weight sum of pistol is a pretty difficult exercise that requires obviously technique and, and muscular and, and and stability and function and mobility, but at the same time, it definitely is a skill as well. So you talk through how you kind of handled that development of getting to a human flag and the skill that you sucked at and then got good at it. Well, you know, it's similar to other forms of exercise or strength training in that you have to have a path and you have to little by little approach that long-term goal with progressive steps. But the way that it's different is that, say, if your goal is to do a 500-pound deadlift and you can deadlift 275, well, you, you incrementally increase the weight. You have some sort of program of how many reps, how long you're going to rest, et cetera. Yep. And the movement stays the same. It's just the pounds that increase. Whereas when we're approaching something like a human flag, for example, it's often best to do a modified version of it, an easier version that has less unfavorable leverage. (laughs) So when you're in a full human flag, for anyone who's not sure what it looks like, there's a vertical pole and your arms are totally straight over your head. It's almost like you're doing a handstand, but you're horizontal with your hands on the pole. So if you bend your knees and or lift your body more vertical, it's a little bit less difficult strength-wise. It's still a weird feeling in terms of people have never really been in that position before. So there's there's still a great deal of trial and error to even do any sort of modified flag. And for an exercise like that, if somebody comes at me and says, oh, I want to learn human flag, I always need to make sure, all right, can you do 10 solid pull-ups? Can you do 30 good push-ups? Because if you don't have that foundation of strength, we're not going to get anywhere trying to learn the skill. Love it. Love it. You, Love you definitely have overlap. They're, they're complementary things. Got but it. at the same time, if, like to your point, if you want to learn a pistol squat, you, you've got to practice the pistol squat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's so many, you know, I guess it, it's just getting out of our own way. I call it resistance. I, a lot of people call it resistance. And it's the nonsense that we tell ourselves to get past and make us feel good about 
you know, us not being able to do something or, or whatever it is. And, Absolutely. you know, and that's what I love about just overall any type of training or specifically training that's going to challenge your, your skill. Because <laughs> uh, then, you know, you develop a mental resilience behind it as well. And then the confidence comes when you get it. And it's, it's so rewarding. Um, so, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say that that's part of what I love about calisthenics is when yeah. someone gets that pistol squat or that muscle up for the first time, it's such an awesome moment because yeah. of all the work that goes into it. Got it. Well, you know, can you talk about, you know, what have you found over the years, you know, uh, focusing, you know, a lot on body weight and calisthenics in, in the difference between what you will get from that style of working out to a traditional strength training uh, type of workout? Well, you know, let me be clear that even though I, I love calisthenics and that's, you know, where I found my home as a trainer, it's, it's not the only, you know, game yeah, in town and, and sure. weight training is great. And there's, there's a lot of other modalities and they, they do have slightly different applications and slightly different pros and cons. But the, the thing that I always try to drive home to people is you've got to find something that's interesting and fun to you mm -hmm. because that's, what's going to keep you staying consistent in the long haul. So, I mean, that said, what I love about calisthenics is that it's not hung up on aesthetics in terms of the way the body looks. Mm. There's definitely an aesthetic component in terms of the way you perform. Yeah. But I always tell my clients, if you focus on this process, if we have this goal of getting whatever it is, 10 pull-ups, or getting that muscle up, and we do the work to get there, well, you're going to build muscle. You're going to get stronger. You're going to look different when we get to the other side of that journey. But I think it's a more interesting and healthier approach to focus on those skills and those uh, fitness goals rather than focusing on, are my biceps big enough? Is my yeah. waist what I want? Everything falls into place aesthetically once you get to an advanced level with, with this kind of training. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've been at it a long time at, at the same token, we can say that, you know, what I think a lot of people in general are looking for is the look that you're going to get from calisthenics. I think primarily, you know, more so than even sometimes the, the, the bigger strength training, bodybuilding type, especially from a female perspective where it's not about big. I mean, you, you're a, a lean muscular guy, but it's not like this bulging thing that a lot of people are, you know, a, a lot of people want, I'm not bashing that, but at the same time, I think a lot more people want what you look like and, you know, just a, a good, healthy, lean strong joints, the whole deal. Well, I'm, I'm going to just take a minute to appreciate that very nice compliment. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> no problem. And, and, and I, I agree. I think for the most part, I mean, I, I was into that mentality when I was a teenager and when I was a young man of, of the main thing that appealed to me was wanting to get big, wanting to get jacked. Like yeah. I said at the beginning, that's what got me into strength training in the first place. So there's nothing wrong with that being a motivation, but I, I think ultimately that's not going to keep you going for decades if that's your yeah. only motivation. And, and yeah. to your point, most women that I've met do not like the bodybuilder look. Yeah. And really most other than, you know, young men who are, you know, into pro wrestling and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, which I thought was everybody <laughs> yeah, exactly. until I got to be an adult <laughs> myself. That look yep. really isn't that appealing to yeah. most people. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, you know, obviously there's, 
myths in everything. And, and you had mentioned this isn't the only way, and we're not saying it's the only way, but it's a great way. And it's a great way that you can do anywhere at any park in your home. And, and obviously that's, that's a situation we're all dealing with right now um, in yeah. some areas worse than others. So, you know, what have you heard and, and had to deal with from, you know, obviously trainers are always, you know, trying to poke if it's not their guru or if it's not their methodology, they're going to, you know, try and jab you with every thing that's wrong with that. And it's not good or whatnot. And not to say good or bad, but the myths that you've con, you know, consistently heard potentially about focusing on this style of training only, um, or for a period of time, you know, what have you had to overcome and what have, you know, you heard? Well, I think the biggest myth is, you know, kind of relates to what we were saying a minute ago is that people say, well, you can't really get a good physique without lifting weights. And depending on what your expectation of a good physique is, yeah. I mean, maybe that's true to a certain extent. But what I always say to that, because people say to me, they say, Al, you know, you're not that big. You don't look like a bodybuilder. How are you, you know, in this position to be doling out advice? You know, because I write for websites like bodybuilding.com and testosterone nation and stuff like yeah. that. So I often say, well, I mean, look around any gym. Most of the people there are lifting weights. Do they have a better body than I do? <laughs> they don't look like the bodybuilders. Yeah. So it's not the calisthenics. Those, those bodybuilders, they're kind of outliers, mm -hmm. regardless of training modality. But I would say that's the biggest criticism and, and the biggest misconception about it is that it's just not an effective way of getting your body strong and fit. Got and I, I like to think that there are many people who are living proof of the contrary. Yep. You know, and, and what I have to think too, and, and again, I'll, I'll be guilty. I'm, I, I have not done a ton of it. Um, you know, um, when I do our alpha classes, you know, or, or CrossFit, there's obviously a component of that in there. Um, so I've done some of that, never been able to nail a, a muscle up yet. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think there's, the, the, there's ways of training that will allow you to be able to be more mobile and to have healthier joints. And I can't imagine that this style of training doesn't attribute to a whole lot better body overall, well-being, movement, stability, less joint pain, different things like that. Obviously, a muscle-up can cause, you, you can injure yourself if you don't know what you're doing and if you're trying to do it too early. But what suggestions do you have or what comments do you have around, you know, just those aspects of doing it properly and then what benefits you've seen from it? I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I definitely think it is a better thing for your joints long-term than lifting heavy. But I mean, as far as that goes, there's plenty of people in, in the weight training community who will acknowledge that at a certain point when you get older, you, you do need to adjust your training, even mm -hmm. if you're doing weights and, and not go as heavy and not yep. do the kind of stuff you were doing in your 20s or 30s yep. or 40s when you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s. Yep. But that, that said, I, I definitely think body weight is, I mean, I, I, I'm a little biased. So yeah. well, I, that, that's why we got you here, man. I that's think, it. That's I think it. body weight is great. I'm trying to be as yeah. diplomatic as I can be. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I and think we're not saying, you know, folks you, out there, we're you, not you saying you always hurt yourself doing anything. Right. Yeah. And, and if you love it, we're doing it. All, all we're saying is if you look at the population as a whole, there's a majority of the population that isn't interested in that or, or maybe doesn't want that. And that's the normal 40 something male or female that now is about, 
you know, they're, they're okay. I always call it, they're okay with the four pack. They don't necessarily, depending on their diet, they don't want to, they don't need the six pack. They just want to move better. They don't want to wake up with, with joint pain or limited or, or minimal amounts. And, you know, we always criticize the most advanced lifts in our industry too. So we're, we've been, you know, using the, the, the muscle up as an example. And, and obviously you can really injure yourself trying to do those types of things. So uh, I want to get to some tips and tricks on how to minimize that a little bit later, but I also want to understand, you know, what are the five, you know, basic, you know, I don't even call them basic because people label that, but what are the five most fundamental body weight exercises that you recommend that we can do right now that minimize risk um, and, and maximize benefit? It's hard to narrow it down to just five. And if you ask me the same question tomorrow, I might have one <laughs> or two different answers in my mix. But but I would say you got to have the push-up in there. Yeah. I love push-ups because there's such a low barrier to entry. You don't need any equipment. You don't even need a bar. You just need some floor space. Everybody has some floor space. And if you can't do a full push-up on your toes, you could do a knee push-up. And if you can't do a knee push-up, you could do a push-up with your hands up on a, a cabinet or a, a table. Like Anyone could find a way to incorporate some kind of push-up variation that's appropriate for them yeah. into a strength training routine that you could do pretty much anywhere. So push-ups got to be there. And plus, it works a lot of muscles. It's such a fundamental yeah. movement pattern. It's you know the same as, as the bench press and weight training is such an essential one. Do you have any tips to just you know, let's stop there and talk about it. Yeah. Obviously a pushup isn't a pushup isn't a pushup. And there's some, again, some bad ways of doing pushups. So what recommendations would you give somebody who's maybe just beginning, you know, out there and, and they want to do pushups at home, you know, elbow placement, hand placement, things like that. What can you give us? You know, the, the biggest things I see people doing wrong with pushups are just putting their, their arms too high and shrugging their shoulders up. So, you know, you mentioned the elbow placement because, you yeah. know, your elbows are much safer if they're a little closer to your sides. Yeah. And that naturally encourages you to pull your shoulders down, pack them into the sockets and not get into Shrugsville. Yeah. And then beyond that, people need to think about engaging their abs, too. A lot of people will just kind of let their hips sag too low to the ground or let their butt go up in the air. But we want that nice, straight, consistent line from the back of the head to yeah. the back of the feet. And, you know, other than that, People need to not worry so much about how many reps they're doing and worry about doing good reps. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I see is people, oh, I'm going to do 50 push-ups, And then it's like, what well, the whole slow down? <laughs> Give me one really yeah, good exactly. one. And then let's, yeah. let's see where we can get from there. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, people don't understand, you know, I was ta taught this a long time ago is that you know, your body will do whatever you ask it to do with whatever is working and whatever it knows how to do. It's called compensation. And, and not that that's a bad thing. It could be a bad thing, but compensation is nothing more than your body becoming biomechanically efficient to doing whatever it is that you're asking it to do. So the elbows up higher and the shrugging of the shoulder, that's just people trying to get a thing done it's as the opposed, only way they can do it because they're yeah. too weak to do a proper yeah one. because bringing your elbows in it's it's a bit harder uh which, which you is know. why they should just you know eat a slice of humble pie and do a yep. knee push up instead but a lot of guys yep. have too much ego to, to do that yeah for sure for sure so uh some great stuff there um what, what's another one you recommend pull up definitely got to have a pull up in there got it. any uh, tips a basic, there? a basic squat also yeah i mean yeah. The, the pull up is it, it's the same thing as, as the push-up, not the exact specifics, but just people focusing on trying to do more than they're really capable of. Mm -hmm. Doing one strict 
overhand, full hang at the bottom, full chin over the top without swinging or kipping or using momentum is a harder and rarer thing than I think most people are willing to acknowledge. Got it. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, in doing strict form first. And mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for doing tricks and kips and flips. But if you can't do a few really good, solid, strict pull-ups, I would not have you do kipping ones instead. Got it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, even within that, you know, that you see, if you're, if let's, let's move, you're in a club, you obviously have the assisted pull-up machines. And then a lot of times if you're not, maybe there's band work. Do you have any recommendations of say somebody can't get to that one, you know, because I think sometimes there's a trade-off of, like you were saying, I'd rather you do one really good one and, and control it. Um, as opposed to always going with the added load in, in the trade-off of when can you actually get to a point where you can do one good one. So how would you help people kind of progress that, you know, given the tools that they may or may not have? If, if somebody's a total beginner, I just get them hanging with their arms straight and just mm-hmm. doing that for time because sometimes just to hang for 30 seconds is going to rock people's upper body if they're not used to it. And then little by little, you build up to longer hangs. And then you start working on hanging at the top position, you know, the, the flexed arm hang. And it's easier in a, in a chin-up than a pull-up. So I would usually Got get it. somebody to try to do a chin-up first. Got it. So once they're comfortable holding this position here for several seconds, then, you know, we work on the negative, just coming down real slowly. And then if we practice enough of those, eventually one day they pull themselves back from the bottom. And then we can – do that flex hang negative process again with an overhand grip to get a pull up. Got it. And you recommend going through that recommendation versus, Hey, I'm going to put a band and put, and put the band and, and strap that band on. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if you've got a, a band and you want to do a couple reps like that too, there's, there's something to be said for that. Got it. I think you would ask if, if somebody just has like a doorway pull up, yeah, exactly. have anything else. That's yeah. how I would go about it. And, and one other thing too, again, we're kind of running the gamut of beginners to more advanced. You, you talk briefly and, and if you can go maybe a little bit more specific, you know, obviously people want to, you know, maybe kip or even try to attempt to get into a muscle up in where would you say the, the prerequisites um, standards of, I need to do 10 strict or whatever the number is, you know, what yeah, have you 10 seen? Strict is a good, is a good baseline for overhand pull-ups before yeah. attempting a muscle up. Got it. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Any, what about is, is the dip also something that obviously is a you piece know, there too? We, we said three, we said push up, pull up, squat. I would say dip would be one of my other five top exercises for calisthenics and starting with, you know, the, the parallel bars and then progressing to a straight bar. Cause eventually if you want to get a muscle up, it's a, it's a very different kind of dip dipping yeah. on two bars here versus one bar here. Got it. So uh, that's, that's something people need to get familiar with that'll help with the muscle up. Yeah. And, and I was watching you on, on YouTube uh, before this too. And, and you had an exercise that in, in essence, if I don't have dip bars, I don't have that access where you're just on the ground being able to actually just push yourself and hold. And then with your knees bent or your legs straight, can you go into that and explain what those you're, are? You're talking about the L sit, I think, yeah. right? Where you're, yep. you're pretty much shaped like the letter L yep. and your, your legs are at a 90 degree angle to your torso and you're just holding yourself up on your palms. That's one of those things that is deceptively tough and yep. requires not just strength, but good flexibility and good body control also. Yep. And, you know, like we were discussing, you can of course regress it and make it less difficult if you bend your knees 
if you do it on an elevated surface where your hips and your feet can be a little bit lower, because when you're on the ground, you don't have a lot of clearance. Yep. You got to really get your legs up high. Got yeah, else it is, is a great exercise. And I think, you know, let's just make that our fifth one where if yeah. someone can't do a full L set, yeah. at least some kind of modified version of it. Yep. Got with it. The knees bent, with the hands elevated, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to kind of ask this note. So we've talked about five really that were primarily upper body. Let's, let's hit the, the lower body and say, you know, what have you got and what are, what are kind of those staples for you? On well, the lower I, I body? did say squat. Squat oh, was you did. one, of, okay. my, one yeah. of my five. I think we breezed past and, that one. Yeah. And the, the L sit does work the legs because keeping yep. your legs extended out like that is going to engage your quads and your hip flexors a lot. Got it. The back bridge is another great leg exercise. And it's, it's a family of exercises. There are many yeah. variations on back bridges. But those will work your hamstrings and your glutes and the whole backside of the body. So you can do like a lot of people think of what they call like a full wheel pose in yoga where you're in a full arch. And that's obviously a more advanced progression. But just just with your shoulders on the ground, just doing like a, a hip bridge, you could call it. Yeah. Lifting your hips in the air. And is that yeah, because when I saw the video too, obviously you were kind of uh, kind of back over um, in an arch position when you say the bridge, but um, as a progression there, are you talking about, okay, shoulders down, feet flat, draw the, drive the hips up and then exactly. go hands and hips driving up, you know, and, and the variations in between there um, are great exercises. Um, any, anything else? I know you mentioned pistol. I know that's a little bit more advanced, but anything else that you would say are, are really fun, challenging um, exercises that get a maximum benefit? I mean, you, you can't mess with lunges. Those have been around forever and yep. for good reason. Yep. And, and then with, within each of these, uh, you know, categories of exercises, there are a lot of different progressions. So, you know, you mentioned the pistol, you know, I said, I said the squat, but I could, you know, say, well, the squat encompasses everything from a basic two-legged bodyweight squat up until a pistol squat. And in between, there's a lot of progressive steps there. Heck, one could even argue a lunge is a progressive step within yep. the realm of squats in yep. between a two-legged squat and a pistol. Got it. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways that you could you could look at categorizing these things. Got but it. any way you slice it, there's there's a lot of different levels of yep. this stuff for for anyone, no matter where they're at in terms Got of their, their strength or experience level. Awesome. You know, obviously, people want things that are a little bit, a lot of people want things that are a little bit tougher just to, to, to have as benchmarks to, to try to strive towards what would you put into that category? Obviously muscle up could make sense to be one, but what other things, um, you know, have you seen over the years or people really love to get, to be able to do X? The things that people tend to ask me about the most are the muscle up, the human flag, the pistol squat, the one arm push up, and the handstand. I'd say those are the, those are the top five. Got it. Awesome. And any recommendations on progression regarding, say, a, a, a one arm push up um, and even a, a, a handstand? Well, the one arm push up. First, you got to get really good at two armors. Yeah. And then from there, it's kind of the same progression that you use if you're new to two arm push ups. You can do a one arm push up from your knees. You can do it with your hand on an elevated surface so it offsets the weight, puts a little less weight in your hands. Yep. You could just practice that lowering phase, that negative push-up. Got it. So those, those are all useful things. And then, of course, you could do 
some kind of self-assist where you're pushing most of your weight on one arm, but then you have maybe fingertips or two fingers on the other hand. Oh, nice. Kind of yeah. giving a little extra stability. So that those, those are general principles yeah. that you can apply to a lot of different exercises. Awesome. Awesome. And same thing with, well, what about handstands? Handstand, the, the biggest hurdle for a lot of people in the beginning is getting comfortable being upside down. Because if people, especially adults, who've never done it or maybe haven't done it since they were a little kid, it's just an unusual sensation and it freaks people out at first. So once people can kind of get over that, I mean, they definitely need to have some baseline of strength. Somebody can't do a push up and they weigh 300 pounds. We're not going to work on the handstand. Yeah. (laughs) If somebody's, if somebody's reasonably fit and is, is somewhat, you know, conditioned to exercise already, it's usually just getting them, getting them to commit to, to going up against a wall. And that's how we start. You use a wall to support yourself. And gradually and incrementally over time, you learn to not rely on a wall. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, with, with people that you've had, you've worked with for a while, what, what have you seen as really unintended consequences, obviously that now become intended consequences based on repetition of you seeing multiple people do them. Um, But what have you seen from your clients, you know, by training this way and, you know, how it's impacted them in ways maybe you didn't realize? Well, you know, to my point earlier, I like to focus on the skills and the, the numerical goals with good form being a priority. Yeah. And then aesthetically, we start to see changes. So I, it's, it's great when a client tells you that they saw muscle tone somewhere that they never saw it before, you know, mm-hmm. fit into an outfit they haven't worn in 10 years or whatever that yeah. might be. Or maybe they ran into an old friend who complimented them. Got so it. Those, those aesthetic goals come with the, the skill goals. Yeah, And then in addition to that, my, my favorite thing that I've seen happen sometimes with people, and this is not just a calisthenics thing. Yeah. This, is, this is in any sort of physical challenge and rising to it and meeting it there. Yep. People start to become more confident across every aspect of their life. Yeah. Because once you see that a goal that seemed inconceivable or unattainable actually is very achievable with a systemized consistent approach to it you start to look at the world differently yeah yeah I absolutely that. i love if i can if i can open that door for somebody that they say holy shit i'm yep. capable of a lot more than i thought i was yeah it's it's she's amazing my, my no no you're good <laughs> it's amazing that you know and that's that's some of the things that you know i i taught my kids too it's it's working out you have to think of it as is almost teaching you how to fail because if you're not failing in your workouts at a certain point obviously you know in their training age then you're not doing what you need to do and be okay with that and 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 even tying those two things together because i think a lot of people just work out and oh i couldn't get my weight and they let it go no you failed and you then came back and you struggled some more and then you overcame it and and those tally up wins in your mind and, and, you know, the mental well being is, is, is as important, um, you know, as anything, you know, if you go into it thinking you're not going to do it, you're absolutely not going to do it. Right. Um, 100%. awesome. Well, you know, obviously there's the exercises, uh, and then there's, you know, what's termed science, you know, in the, in the training world, the acute variables, but basically the, the sets and the reps and the time under tension that, that the each repetition takes and the total uh, set takes and rest intervals and, and how to increase load. How, you know, what have you seen as kind of, you know, from a beginner standpoint, you know, what are those variables that they should 
probably stick within to be able to still get results um, of some sort. And then on the advanced side, how have you manipulated those reps, sets, you know, time under tension and things like that, or any other variables maybe that I haven't discussed or mentioned? No, I have a very simple template that I recommend for beginners. And it works really well for advanced people too. This is really how I do most of my training with myself and with my clients is we try to, within a given session, get a certain amount of work done. And I don't care how many sets they need to spread it out over or how much rest they want to take. Within a period of time. Right. Say say if I'm working with somebody for one hour, and it's going to vary a lot depending on their fitness level, their goals, et cetera. But just say, for example, I have somebody, and what I think is the most that they can reasonably do in an hour is 50 squats, 30 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, and um, 20 dips. And we're going to get that work done. And maybe the, the first exercise we do, so let's say we start with the squats, and maybe they could do 20, and then their legs are just on fire, and they're out of breath, and they got to stop and take a break. Fine. Yep. So then the second set, they're able to get maybe 15. Another set of 15, boom, you got your 50. Okay, now we're going to do our push-ups. You need to get to 30. The first set, maybe they can only get eight. They're not that good at push-ups. That's why it's an exercise we're working on. If I have a guy who can blast through 30 in one set with perfect form, we're working on a harder progression. Yeah. But so for the person who's struggling, eight push-ups is where they're hitting failure. All right, well, it's going to take four or five sets, but we're going to get those 30 in. And then same thing for the pull-up. Maybe they're only able to do two or three at a time, but we can get to 10. We can accumulate that over the course of the workout. And then little by little, if we keep doing that, they're able to consolidate that work into fewer sets. I can increase the total amount of work. And then at a certain point, we're going to move on to a harder progression. Love that. And, and, you know, I think there's, again, the psychological aspect of I'm hitting a goal in a period of time or in a, in a number of sets. And I guess that's what you're saying. You're, you're keeping track then of and making sure that they keep track of how many sets it takes you to get to the number that they're shooting for that particular workout and potentially how much time, total time it takes all of those sets to be completed. For sure. And, and of course, the other reason why I like doing this is it encourages form first. Mm-hmm. If I say to somebody, we're just doing 30 push-ups for time, those push-ups are not going to look as good if I say we're doing 30 push-ups and I don't care how long it takes you. Yeah, I want to see 30 good push-ups. push-ups. Rest for three minutes if you need to between sets. Yep, love it. And you know, it's funny too, because a lot of trainers and then a lot of people in general, they don't keep track of the details there. And then, you know, they're focusing on the the weight and, you know, what they look like. And, and a lot of times those take time, but you getting stronger and more muscular endurance, that doesn't take as really as much time, especially if you've never worked out before. So, you know, give yourself the kudos and the pat on the back when, you know, you get that first workout done, track those things of, you know, how long did it take? How many sets did it take? And then next week when we do that workout again, or maybe four days from now or three days from now, when we do that again, try to beat that time, there is such an internal motivator there that I think many people overlook. Yeah. And, you know, to, to your point, I, I often remind people that there are many ways to quantify progress. And it's not just about adding more reps or doing something faster. Doing something better yeah. is a form of progress. If I'm training you know, Joe, and he comes in and he can do three pull-ups and they're all kind of sloppy and he's swinging his body and not really getting his chin over. And a month later, he can only do five pull-ups, but they're good, solid pull-ups. 
just looking at the numbers on paper doesn't tell that whole story. Got it. Got it. And, you know, when you're talking about doing these two and there's, there's obviously perfect form or good form, uh, there's also, I think, an overlooked principle of time under tension. And obviously, I, you've probably leveraged that particular variable in different ways. In, in, in the beginning, do you have a, a tempo cadence in which you're asking them to follow? Because uh, obviously, the tempo of each rep dictates the time under tension uh, for those that aren't, aren't, aren't there. So you, you obviously know much more about fitness and training people than most of my clients, but I get clients who get clever with me and they say, yeah. Al, why are you only having me do three reps and then taking a break? And that's what I tell them about. I tell them about time under tension yeah. because I'm always telling them to go slowly. They say, couldn't I do more faster? And I say, well, really the thing you want is the yeah. time under tension. Yeah. So if I'm having you do five pull-ups and it's taking you 20 seconds because you're grinding and slowly doing them, that's more work. Yeah. Than if you're doing six in half the time, and you're going to get the and and you're going to get most people don't realize that's that's what's actually tearing down the muscle, which then hopefully through your nutrition you're repairing yourself. You're, so the physique comes primarily probably more through that than just repping out a bunch of nasty reps or and just getting to a number as fast as possible. So so yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of time under tension, and that's that that's my rationale for mm-hmm. wanting people to go slowly. Is if you're doing thirty seconds of push-ups. You're going to get more, I think, if you do 15 good, good ones than 30 fast. Got it. Yeah. And and so, again, to a specific number, usually, you know, the cadence is there's some show three, some show a four number cadence based on the pauses on either end. Um, But do you have a, you know, two seconds down, two seconds up? It's going to depend a lot on the movement. Yeah. Like a a pistol squat, for example, you're going to have to do that much more slowly (laughs) than a push up. Yeah. You know, if you try to do two seconds down, two seconds up on a pistol, that's a fast pistol. Yeah. Whereas if you do two seconds down, two seconds up on a push-up, it's a slow push-up. Push up. Yeah, got it. Got but it. generally, I, what I look to see, regardless of the exercise, isn't necessarily this exact amount of time under tension. But I want to see complete dominance of every centimeter of the range of motion. Got it. Got it. Awesome. So, you know... You, we talked about those variables in, do you have a recommendation on total time of workout for, let's say somebody who's just starting versus, you know, maybe somebody who's been at it for a couple of years. And then obviously the advanced, just, you know, what do you recommend? recommend Someone who's, who's just starting can, can get a lot done in 30 minutes, three times Mm -hmm. a week. And then in a few weeks they can up it to 45 minutes and then maybe add a fourth day. And eventually I mean, you could be doing six days a week of an hour a session. I think for for the non-professional athlete, that's about as much as I think is ever needed. Got it. Got it. Awesome. 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 Well, you know, I I think this has been some great, great um, stuff. And obviously, we only have a period of time on the podcast to go through this until we have you on again, or maybe. um, But you have a a large amount of books, probably six, seven, eight books um, that you've written. Uh, I'd love to spend a little bit of time because obviously some people might want more and, and, you know, obviously we can tell them how to go and get that, but, you know, talk to us about, you know, some of your more popular books and, and what those were called and, and what you get out of each one of those. So the, the book that I would recommend if anyone listening to this is relatively new to the world of body weight training and calisthenics is a book that I co-wrote with my brother, Danny. It's called get strong. He's, he's a big calisthenics person as well for anyone who's unfamiliar with him. 
Danny Cavadlo. So we wrote this book called Get Strong, and it's published through Dragon Door Publications, which is how you and I became acquainted. Yep. And it's it's my best-selling, most popular book. It's been out for uh, over three years, and it still sells almost as well as it did when we first released it, which is a good thing for an author and a good sign of a, of a, of a book that has lasting value. It, and then it, if people want to delve deeper, I've got a bunch of other ones. I've got a book called Street Workout. I've got a book called Raising the Bar. I've got a book called Next Level Strength. Yeah. This is a photo from here, which was also got on it. a cover of a awesome. fitness trainer magazine. So yeah, start with Get Strong. And and what what can they expect in that in that book? Just what are they getting? So what 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 that book has is it's it's kind of like a little bit of everything. It has a very specific program for people to follow that gives you structured sets, reps, rest days, etc. Because a lot of people, you know, for for everything I was saying before, people don't want to hear that. They're like, just tell me exactly what to do. Don't don't put me in the driver's seat of having to think for myself. So this book is everything's laid out very 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 strictly. But at the same time, there are lots of additional uh, articles and passages explaining some of the theoretical concepts and ways that you can change the program to your own needs. And then there's a whole supplemental section of bonus exercises, some of that advanced stuff, the muscle up the human flag, which isn't in the main program. The main program is just the basics of building strength and muscle. Awesome. Awesome. And then, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the, the one about street. What, what did you say the name of that? Street one? workout. Street workout. And, and I can't even imagine what that was, that, but that, I, I, give the details on that one. Well, that, that book is kind of the, the, other side of the spectrum from get strong it's more of a an encyclopedia okay all sorts of crazy calisthenics moves and we tried to just put everything that we'd ever learned or taught into that book got it and it's it's a very big expansive book so people are much more into calisthenics that's the book that they might be better off starting with so get strong is a good gateway into this thing and street workout is for the people who really want to see how far the rabbit hole goes. Awesome. Awesome. Now I may be wrong, but do you also have, uh, obviously there's no live trainings happening right now, but do you also have like live trainings and or other video based courses that you offer as well or going to be? Absolutely. Well, I do some one-on-one sessions through zoom. Yeah. So if people are, are interested in that, they could reach yeah. out to me. And then I have a few different programs. I have a program called universal strength which people okay. can Google and find quickly, yeah. which is an, an interactive online program. I mean, it's, it's pre-recorded, yeah, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, a good follow along 30 day program that everything is very clearly demonstrated and explained. And there's some extra motivational stuff in there. And then I've actually got a couple of apps also. Okay. If people are looking for me on the app store or Google play, yeah. there's an app for the book, get strong. That is basically the same content and app form. And then I have another app that's just the, the Al Cavadlo We're Working Out app, okay. which is a cartoon version of myself. Got it. That takes you through some fun calisthenic stuff. That's fun. Yeah, I've, awesome. got, I've got a lot of a lot of different stuff out there for people who want to want to delve into this stuff more. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll put some of that stuff uh, in the body of the uh, of the the links in the podcast too as well, so they have access to that. But you know, I I really appreciate your time and and you know. Uh, everything that you've taught it's it's such something that it, it gives 
no excuse, right? As is kind of the way I look at it. There's no excuse not to do some of the stuff that we talked about today. Um, you could do it anywhere, uh, regardless. You don't, uh, you know. And so, uh, hopefully, people will listen and, you know, take advantage of that. And if they want more, uh, obviously, go and get your books and, and and or your courses. But anything you else, anything else that you have to share or you want to tell tell well, you, you just listeners? made me think of of an old line that you may have heard before about excuses. There's always an excuse if you're looking for one, right? Yeah. So you'd be amazed, even yeah. even with the simplicity of these body weight workouts, yeah. how many people still find a way to not do it. But yeah. the opposite's true too. Yeah. If you really want to do something, you'll always yeah. find a way to do it in spite of any obstacles. Yeah, and and you can get results, real results. You, you, it, that that's the big thing too that people have to understand. I think some people, oh, if I can't get to the gym or if I can't do this, then I can't do anything. And anything is better than yeah. nothing. I'm going to say that's the resistance. You know, calling your bull. Your bull crap. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People use the word resistance training to talk yeah. about strength training, but you're talking about a whole different. Type yeah, yeah. I'm talking mental, mental resistant, and judgment. And that's, right? That's a harder one yeah. for many people. They, yeah, exactly. doing the push up isn't the hard part. Yeah. Getting yourself motivated to do the push up yeah. is the hard part, and not judging yourself. Uh, and then giving yourself kudos, right? So awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Al, and uh, I hopefully meet you at some point in person one day and, and maybe yeah. we can, we can continue on, but I thank you so much and want to thank uh, John DeCane for, for introducing us as well. Thanks John. And thanks to you, Jason. I had a pleasure chatting with you today. Likewise, man. Well, you have a great day. Yeah.